Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, ball to the five, touchdown Tampa Bay. My heavens, does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and gone. Hello, Bucks fans, and welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube today for the 2023 season review show. Believe it or not, I was just telling Evan before we started the podcast, it has been over two years since we have done a season review show. Uh, one of the staples of our show, the first five years we were around, at the beginning of the season, we would do our season predictions, and at the end of every regular season or whenever the Bucks were done playing, we would do our season review show where we would look back at our predictions from the beginning of the year and kind of break down how the season went, recap all the ebbs and flows of the NFL season. And uh, this is the 2023 edition, but it is a nice return to form because I was shocked when I found out uh, we had not done this in quite some time, Evan. Yeah, I, I was. I was too. I was like, really? When, when you when you got on and told me that, I was like, ah, I was like, could have swore at least one of 2021 or 2022 we did, but apparently we did not. So this is yeah the season review show and the first one in a little bit, uh, uh, you know, w- with that. So um, and actually, uh, technically, it'd be the first one in three years because the Bucks won the Super Bowl in 2021. It's 2024, so it's the first one in three years. So hopefully we can shake off the rust a little bit and uh, sort of you know remember how to do this sort of podcast. Uh, I think we, we've mastered the the season prediction show, um, and admittedly, like you know, I'll admit it, like that's that's my favorite show of the year that we do anyway. But yeah. like always, like that one more more than than the review because the review like. And look, we're going to keep this simple for you guys, okay? Like, we're not going to sit here and say, well, you know, the Vikings game, they won 20-17, to and the turning point, we're going to do it in in sections, so we're not boring you guys to death with stuff you've already known. Uh, But the season prediction show, you know, football's right around the corner, the weather's still pretty nice, you're about to get football after not having it for months, and then the season review show, we're just, you know, sort of talking. But I think it's a necessary thing because it, it gives us, Time to look at perspective. Um, I, I, I think that's important. So um, we will see uh, where it takes us. And like I said, hopefully we can shake off that uh, that little bit of ring rust there. Yeah, before we dive into the 2023 Tampa Bay Buccaneers season, wanted to get you guys caught up on the latest headlines regarding the search for a new offensive coordinator. Now, there is some real-time Buccaneer news that we got to make sure we keep you updated on. So Evan, uh, the Bucks have had a huge list of offensive coordinators this week that either they have brought to town to interview intended to bring to town to interview or uh, still hope to talk to here over the next few days. Yeah. I mean, there, there's three guys that they intended to interview. Uh, they wanted to interview, unfortunately uh, the timing, you know, with, with Dave Canales uh, not um, really working in the Bucks favor. Uh, you know, Dave Canales takes that Carolina job and look like it's, it's nobody's fault. Really. It's not the Bucks fault. It's not Dave Canales' fault. It's just, you know, he's hired late in the process, kind of, after the Bucs, you know, after the second round of the playoffs. 
And by that point, a lot of these teams had sort of already gone through their processes, and those coaches have already gone through some interviews with some teams. So the Bucks wanted to interview Kellen Moore. He took the Philadelphia Eagles job. They wanted to interview Zach Robinson. He took the Atlanta Falcons job, joining Raheem Morris. Uh, and then they also wanted to interview Ken Dorsey, and he ended up taking the Cleveland Browns job last night. So, uh, yeah, we have three guys you can cross off the list right there. The Bucks didn't even get a shot to interview them. Uh, but the ones they will be interviewing, uh, Brian Johnson, the former Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator, who, I mean, I know was a hot name last year, uh, for the, especially you know for the Bucks OC shirts that time around and then also the big list which came out sort of today gathered it today uh alex van pelt who was the former cleveland browns offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach gerard johnson who's a former nfl quarterback houston texans quarterbacks coach jake peets who is the rams passing game coordinator and anton randall l who uh, was obviously in tampa bay as an offensive assistant is now the wide wide receivers coach for the lions uh alex van pelt and jake peets both do have some experience with Baker Mayfield, of course, Van Pelt being Baker Mayfield's offensive coordinator in Cleveland for a little bit, and Pete's very little time was spent with Baker Mayfield, but Pete was around when Baker was in L.A. for that short period of time at the end of the 2022 season. So, Bucks continue their search. Uh, there may be more names added. I, I think, you know, Thad Lewis, I didn't really get my thoughts out on this, obviously. Uh, thanks to, you know, to James for, for covering for me uh, when the news broke. Uh, didn't expect that, you know, we would have to cover that at all. Honestly, I, I didn't expect Canales to get that job, and I didn't expect it to drop in the middle of a, a Thursday. So was not prepared. So shout out James uh, for stepping in. But uh, I think Thad Lewis still makes sense. Now he hasn't re received an interview yet, which is interesting. Uh, but I still think he could make some sense. Um, and then there might be some names on like the 49ers or Chiefs that the Buccaneers could be looking at. They interviewed Clint Kubiak last year. Uh, Clint Kubiak is now with the 49ers. So if the Buccaneers wanted to hire him, they're gonna have to wait till after. The Super Bowl. Brian Greasy is the 49ers quarterbacks coach. He's gotten a little bit of buzz for an offensive coordinator role. So if they wanted to hire a guy like him, again, they'd have to wait till the end of the Super Bowl. So I do think that the Buccaneers may not want to wait that long. So I, I don't think they're going to wait until the Super Bowl to hire a guy, but um, it does appear, you know, that they're. They're uh, broadening their list, and honestly, it's even a bigger list than I thought it was going to be. I, I thought it was pretty clear that uh, it was going to be uh, Thad Lewis. I didn't think it was going to be instant, right? Like, I didn't think it was going to be Thursday night they named Thad Lewis offensive coordinator, but it's clear, you know, they're putting out a pretty big list, and, and they want to hire the best candidate possible. So uh, that's just an, an update there. Obviously, once they hire an offensive coordinator, we will – obviously do a full podcast on that but uh in the meantime if they interview anybody else probably plan on putting that in video form uh just for like the interview wise that sort of news so stay tuned to that and also uh we we will have and i'm gonna announce this now we were waiting until after the season review show uh we will be having uh positional reviews on mr bucks nation when i was working with him I did the positional previews where I went through each position group and just previewed how that went. This time around, I'm going to be doing the reviews. So how did Baker Mayfield do, right? How did the running back room do with, with Rashad White taking the reins and Chase Edmonds? Was Sean Tucker a big factor? Sort of examples like that. So stay tuned for that. Plenty of video form for you guys. Even though our podcast content will be, won't be three times a week anymore, we're still going to be having plenty of content for you guys. And, you know, Rhett has been posting those shorts, which have been, you know, fantastic. So uh, plenty of content here. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, another offseason of coverage, and we will keep you guys updated 
every step of the way. But let's dive into the 2023 NFL season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers heading into this season were coming off of an 8-9 and nine record. They did have Tom Brady as quarterback, and they did make the postseason winning their division. They got absolutely walloped by the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round in a home playoff game to wrap up the 2022 season. Todd Bowles returned as head coach. He had a chance to move on from Byron Leftwich, his offensive coordinator, made some changes to his staff, and brought in Dave Canales, who uh, did so well he's no longer here. So, <laughs> so Did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I would think the Bucs uh, did a pretty good job with that hire, but a lot of expectations and a lot of lofty expectations for the Bucs. I think this is the most divisive I have seen predictions before a season in quite some time. I, I think coming into the season, we had to talk to a lot of people and say, hey, there's a lot of level-headed people who are predicting this team to win anywhere from five to ten games. But you had to kind of block out the noise from the national media expecting the Bucs to be maybe the second or third worst team in the league. There were a lot of national pundits who had the Buccaneers uh, drafting Caleb Williams in April. And, you know, with a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator who just so happens to be a first-year play caller, there was a lot on the line. Moving Tristan Wirfs to left tackle from right tackle, moving Luke Gedeke over to right tackle as your full-time starter. Rashad White was going to be taking on an increased role as your starting running back. There was a lot of things that had to go right for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win some games this year. So let's talk about this opening stretch. The first four games, the Bucs open the regular season on the road at Minnesota. They go home in week two against the Bears. On Monday night football week three, they host the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending NFC champions. And on Sunday, October 1st, week four, right before the bye week, they travel to New Orleans for a division matchup against the Saints. In that stretch, they beat the Vikings 20-17 to in week one. They open up at home with a win over the Bears, 27-17. They lose to the Eagles on Monday Night Football, 25-11, their first disappointing performance of the season, and then a huge division win to make them 3-1 headed into the bye week in New Orleans, 26-9. They dominated that game. Baker Mayfield played relatively well, had some ups and downs, but really, when the Bucs are sitting at 3-1 and one at this point of the season headed into the bye week, not only were we pleasantly surprised, but so was most of the NFL community. The Bucs were off to uh, one, one of the hotter starts I can remember uh, with a team that we did not expect this from. Yeah, I, mean, I remember sitting there thinking you know, the season prediction show. You know, We both thought you know, if you're 2-2 two and two at the bye week, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, the Bucks were in even better shape sitting at three and one. And at that point you were looking saying, okay, you know, you got the bye week. Don't love an early bye week, but it is what it is. Um, that's when it was, that's when it was. So, uh, yeah, at, at that point sitting at three and one coming off, a, uh, yeah, like you said, a pretty like convincing win against a division rival in their house, uh, after a disappointing loss, I think it was big. And, uh, the Bucks didn't play perfect. You didn't expect it to be perfect. Still trying to work out, you know, a brand new off of the coordinator, a brand new quarterback, still trying to figure all that stuff out. So didn't really expect it to be completely perfect, you know, for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, the Bucks. yeah, they, they defied expectations all season, but I think that was the biggest surprise for me, how fast they came out of the gate. Uh, now, I know they weren't playing the best competition, right? All three of those teams that they beat missed the playoffs, ultimately. 
But at the same time, two of them were road games that they they went out and won. Uh, and like I said, still trying to work out those new kinks and a new offense and a lot of new pieces. Like you said, that like you know, even the guys who were here last year, you had them in different roles were bigger roles. You know, you had Tristan Wirfs switching from the right to the left. You had Luke Gedicke going to right tackle. You had Rashad White being the running back one. Uh, you had Logan Hall having having a bigger you know role. Uh, you know, you had a lot of different things. Kate Otten having a bigger role. You had a lot of different things um that you, you were still trying to figure out so i think being three and one and getting off that hot start i think you could look at that being the reason why the buckiers made the playoffs their hot start allowed them to have a lull in the middle of the season and look the lull wasn't acceptable but the lull in the middle of the season didn't kill them if they would have gone one and three at, at the start at, at there right it wouldn't have seemed bad like terrible at the time you know because we looked at it like oh it's a kind of a tough schedule right the vikings were always going to be tough on the road uh the bears were expected to be improved uh and then you played the saints who obviously you know is always a tough game in new orleans and you played the defending nfc champion you were like yeah like two and two is great like one and three is whatever if they go one and three right there based on how the rest of the season played out they don't make the playoffs so uh being three and one getting off of that fast start allowed them uh to sort of falter a little bit down the stretch and it wasn't as bad I made a claim on the season predictions show that this 2023 Bucks team with all the uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball, they were going to have to lean on a strong defensive performance, kind of like they did in 2022. You know, that offense was historically bad in 2022. And in my opinion, I still think it is one of the better Bucks defenses of all time, simply because personally, I don't think they're going to get the credit they deserve uh, for the way that they played in 2022. But in 2023, over these first four games, the defense played pretty well. I'd say week three, Monday Night Football, they were more leaky than they should have been, obviously. DeAndre Swift had a huge day running the football. Yeah. Uh, but they were probably the biggest reasons I think the Bucks were coming away with some of these victories, only holding New Orleans to nine points. Uh, Chicago scored 17. Minnesota scored 17. But this was kind of that time in the season where every single week we are seeing how the Bucks can produce on the offensive side of the ball, right? You're still pretty strong in your faith with this defense. Expectations with them were about the same the entire season. Coming into the season, people were expecting good things from this defense. And I think over the course of the year, we'll dive into it some more. But they got that. Uh, but this is where the offense was really trying to figure some things out. Dave Canales working some things into his game plan, figuring out what didn't work. That week three game against Philly was the first time we saw clearly what a first-year offensive coordinator looks like. And uh, he had to go back to the drawing board. But, you know, th this, these are those games where I think over the first month, I thought this offense was going to end up looking a little bit different because the way the Bucks were winning these games in particular was a lot of ball control, a lot of effective running of the football. And, I, I mean, you know, the most productive day through the air Baker Mayfield had was week two against Chicago. He threw for 317 yards. But outside of that, week one, he only threw for 173. Week three, he only threw for 146 in that Monday night football loss. And in the win against New Orleans, he threw for 246. One of his better games on the road in New Orleans this season, but uh, the run game was a huge factor. And these games, looking at the offense, forecasting what was next, I, I thought uh, I, I thought Rashad White was going to develop a little bit more as that three down back that I think we hope he can be. 
I'm actually, you know, and before we move on to the next, you know, phase of it, I, I do want to touch on touch on the defense a little bit because I think the big thing about the defense was, and we knew it wasn't, you know, like sustainable. Um, the amount of takeaways they were getting early, yeah. you know, in the season, having three against Minnesota in one half of football, I believe they had uh, one or two against Chicago. Obviously, the one being a pick six by Shaq Barrett. Uh, they had two, I believe, against Philly, uh, and then they had, I believe, one or two. I, I think it's actually two against New Orleans. So uh, a lot of takeaways for this defense early on in the season. And again, we knew that wasn't going to be something that was going to be able to hold up over a 17-game season. That's just that's not possible for any defense. But um, I thought that was a big reason. So yeah, like you said, I thought you. Know, I think complimentary football is the biggest thing I would say. Uh, the Bucks protected the football zero turnovers through the first two games of the season. Uh, so the Buccaneers were able to protect the football enough and they were able to, you know, limit the mistakes and, and force the other offense to make those mistakes. And they got away from that a little bit, you know, like you said, you know, during the Philly game and they ended up getting, you know, beat pretty good. And then, you know, they came back and, uh, and I think an important, and again, without the season turned out an important bounce back against New Orleans, just a really, really critical bounce back because if that game goes another way, New Orleans actually wins the NFC South because yeah. New Orleans would have swept Tampa Bay, and then who knows what would have happened to the futures of Todd Bowles uh, or, or Baker Mayfield right now if this team doesn't make the playoffs. So I think that bouncing back after your first loss of the season, a tough loss at home, uh, heading to New Orleans, a tough place to play against a team that has given you fits, I think it was an important important win there. But, uh, yeah, we're going to move on to the, I guess, what, second quarter of, of the season, you could say? Uh, it is yeah. weird because yeah. we can't – we can't do four quarters anymore because there's not 16 games. Uh, there's 17 games now, but uh, we're going to try our best. So you talked about the importance of that bounce back game against New Orleans. I mean, this just drives the point home. The Bucks come out of the bye week. It's the return of the cream sickles. They've got Detroit. They the the, the second quarter of the season that the Bucks want to forget, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, at the beginning of the season when we were doing our season prediction show, we talked about a lot of tough stretches of the season, and I think we expected this to be one of the tougher stretches of the season, but it doesn't get any tougher than losing four games in a row fresh out of the bye week. So Detroit, they came to town and absolutely pounced the Bucks in the creamsicle 20-6, to the final score, and that one, a heartbreaker filled with just self-inflicted mistakes against the Atlanta Falcons. They lose that one 16-13, one of the more frustrating games of the year. They lose on primetime against Buffalo in Buffalo. That game final score, 24-18. to 18. We're not going to waste too much time talking about the Hail Mary there at the end because fundamentally I think the game was over at that point anyways, but it, it is what it is. And, oh, man, 39-37. to 37, They take a loss oh, on the boy. road to rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud who marches down the field in, what, 38 seconds to go 90, 90 yards for, uh, for the touchdown score to, to put Houston over the top. So, so this was a, a stark contrast to the three and one start the Bucks had presented us, and by the end of this four game losing streak, I think myself and everyone else around me was convinced that hey, maybe this Bucks team is a little bit of a fluke this year, uh, losing four in a row, and we'll talk about this next group of games here in a minute too. But losing four in a row, I mean, there's not a lot of great things you can say about this stretch aside from the fact that maybe the offense found their rhythm in that game against Houston putting up 37 points in the lost. I still I, I still think their highest scoring game of the season. Yeah, they didn't put up any more points than 37 in a single game like they did in that loss on the road. But 
other than that, like this, this sucked. Uh, after that, <laughs> after that loss to Houston, you you came on this show and you declared their season officially over. You did. Well, actually, I was on suspension then, and, and thank God I was. <laughs> but I went on Bucks Nation and I wrote an article, which glad didn't get the uh, you know old takes ex- exposed. But uh, <laughs> I did declare their season over, and honestly, like. At the time, you know, I truly believed it. Like that is the type of loss that 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 gets coaches fired. Yeah. Like like that is the the exact type of loss that gets somebody fired. Losing your fourth straight game, and in in that sort of fashion against a rookie quarterback that threw for the record, right for a rookie passing yards against you, that is the type of loss that gets a coach fired. And I think you know things at that point could have spiraled out of control. Now. I don't want to spoil the, the next quarter, but, you know, I mean, they did lose two of their next three after that game. But um, I do think that, you know, that Houston game is where it really could have unraveled. It, it really could have because, um, you know, the loss to Buffalo, it's on the road, short week, and they're playing a, you know, a divisional game. Buffalo is uh, regarded as a pretty good team. It's a tough one, right? I think even, even the Detroit one. I mean, Detroit just played in the NFC Championship game last night, you know, so they're a good team. Uh, Atlanta, yeah, you you shouldn't have lost that game. But then Houston, we didn't really realize what Houston was going to be, right? We didn't know yeah. at the time that Houston was going to win the AFC South and the CJ Stroud was, you know, like, we knew it was good, right? We didn't know how good. <laughs> but this was basically, you know, the coming out party yeah. for CJ Stroud. That, that, that was the week that everybody found out CJ Stroud was the real deal. Because right. That right. game winning like, drive I'm, was was on repeat on Sports Center once every twenty minutes. Right. Like I'm you know, I'm big in the sports cards. And <laughs> the market for CJ Stroud after that game Did you downtown, went, buddy. Went went yeah. there. Downtown right? CJ yeah. Stroud. Wait, it, listen, at I'm, work. I'm sure yeah, that went up to Oh my God! You're Down, not gonna, downtown the Stroud. Yeah, you're crazy. not going to believe me when I say this, but we have a guy at work who's really big into sports cards, and I, I think ten times a week I have to hear him talk about getting a downtown CJ Stroud. They've been doing pack openings. Is, is he he's just trying to chase it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, 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 I have opened a bunch of boxes. I haven't hit one a single downtown. So <laughs> good luck. Um, I take anything, uh, but yeah, it's you know he, you know he was really good. But at the time, you're like, man, it's a bad loss. That is, I mean, even even if, even if the Texans were regarded as a great team, you had the lead with 40-some seconds or whatever. That's got to be a win. Like, that just has to be a win. To snap a three-game losing streak, you would have been feeling pretty good about it, right? And instead, it was just a the worst loss of the season, I think. That's well, a, actually, the second worst loss of the season. I mean, that's your defense. You know that that was yes, one of the yes. that was one of the games where we came away from it and we're like, listen, that's on Todd Bowles. Like I, I know that this defense wasn't playing particularly well that day, um, but I think this is the time of the season where obviously jobs are brought into question, as you had mentioned. Now let's talk about this next four game stretch here. So you come out of that four game losing streak, you do win one against a, a crippled Tennessee Titans team. I mean, they limped into that game. I think they had four out of five of their starting offensive linemen were second or third stringers. Uh, Will Levis still kind of going through the motions as an NFL quarterback, so he looked a little lost out there. I think it was his second career start, I I think. So, I mean, what they won the game 20 to 6, so basically did what you had to do in that game. Yes. After that win, you go back on the road, tough opponent across the country, the San Francisco 49ers, an eventual Super uh, Super Bowl team. You lose that game 27 to 14. And I will say this game in particular, there were a lot of mixed feelings coming out of it because mm-hmm. 
headed into this game, like everybody expected the Bucks to lose. Like I remember Pewter Report, Scott Reynolds put out an article that literally said like, hey, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not like, going to win this football the, game. Like they're going to like, <laughs> like get over it. Yeah, like, they're going to focus on the next week. Fully expecting <laughs> to lose this game. But I think a pleasant surprise was that first half performance. And, and I think this might be the moment in the season. You know, the Tennessee game is one thing, but the big struggle the Bucks had all year was beating the teams that are clearly better than them. You know, Philly at the time, week three, was clearly better than the Bucks. They came to town and they kicked their ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills, D- they Detroit. thoroughly... Yeah, the Bills, they thoroughly beat Tampa Bay. Detroit thoroughly beat Tampa Bay. San Francisco, in the second half of that game, just like the Lions, they thoroughly beat the Bucks. But that first half, I think, gave a lot of people some hope. And I think it showed a glimpse of what this team would ultimately become later in the season. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was only a one-possession game, if not a tie game, headed into halftime uh, with the Niners on the road. Yeah, the Niners were up 13-7 to on the Buccaneers at halftime. So I think that was the game. And Todd Bowles even mentioned that as uh you know, end of the year press conference that like after that San Francisco game, that was sort of like they felt they were close. Um, as it turns out, they were. Now it would take another week uh, because as we get in, we will get into. Uh, they did lose the very next week, and I will say that was the point. Right, they're sitting there at the edge of the cliff, and it was starting to go like this, and uh, you had one thing to do: you either well, two things to do: you either pull yourself and stabilize or you go down and the Buccaneers at that point, you know, had a crossroads, but again, yes, nobody expected the Bucs to win that game, right? On the road, San Francisco, West coast, you, you didn't expect the Bucs to win, right? The 49ers were just a better team, but the Bucs in 2022 and they got the doors kicked in. Whereas this year they showed a little bit more fight. And I think that was encouraging for people. Um, and I think if they had won against the Colts, I think people would have been, like really on board with it, but they followed it up with, you know, another thing that had you questioning really whether, uh, whether or not, you know, Todd Bowles, Bacon Rayfield would even be back because, uh, you know, the turnovers, I remember at this point, the turnover bug was starting to hit Mayfield a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was four games and, in a row with a, with a yeah, turnover. It, it was starting, it was starting to hit him a little bit. And uh, there was some, like I said, you know, the bucks after a win, sure. But, like you beat Tennessee and then you lose the next two. Like it kind of cancels each other out. So Bucks were facing the crossroads there. Yeah, this loss to Indy was the point of the season where it, me as the eternal optimist, like I was fed up with Todd Bowles. Yeah, you, know, you were the, like, the, they're done. The coaching inconsistencies, not throwing the challenge flag. That game against Indy was where Mike Evans was on the sideline begging and pleading Todd Bowles to just throw the challenge flag. And he, he didn't, you know, hanging on to timeouts, doing all those all those coaching decisions, all of those nuances that we've gotten frustrated with Bulls before about, to be honest with you, I don't know if that's going to go away in the 2024 I think, it's season. It's not going to go I think, away. But. I think some of those time management issues that a head coach has, like, you can't really fix that. It's just who they are, you know? And, you're just, just going to have to put up with it. Just, yes. You just, yeah, um, you just have to hope it doesn't kill you too much. But this loss against Indy, it definitely felt like their last chance to prove that they could be an above-average football team. I was convinced, you know? I looked at this Colts team starting Gardner Minshew, who also had been kind of going through a rough patch. He played inconsistently against the Bucks, but he did not play well enough to win. And that's what frustrated me. You know, I, I felt like at the time, the Bucks just shot themselves in the foot and ultimately cost them a chance at winning that game. Another loss, and at that point, had lost six of their last seven games. 
there is not an NFL team. And you can ask around. I, I don't know. I don't talk to a lot of other guys who do podcasts for other teams. But it, 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 there is not a lot of NFL teams that could lose six out of their last seven and then continue to talk about a playoff push the way that we were with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the dreaded NFC South. So that game yeah. against Indy, I was pissed. Uh, but apparently I got pissed at the right time because the Buccaneers turn around and their next four games were all victories. Some of the most impressive football they played all season down the stretch here. It was a close-fought game. They edge out Carolina with a game-winning field goal, 21-18. to The following week, they go to Atlanta. They beat Atlanta to make it 1-1 one one in the season series, 29-25. That, that, that was it. R- right there. Um, look, and again... It was like the Houston game. They had to score a late touchdown, right? That was the game. Yeah. I still think, even though they beat Green Bay and they beat Jacksonville, right? I still think if they lose that that game against the Falcons and the Falcons swept them, I still think that their season is probably done. Just the mentality, I, I think, you know, I, I just think the psyche of that football team would have just been crushed. I think this was the turning point. The Bucs were playing playoff football for the last two months of their season. You know, after that game against Indy, you really could not afford any more losses well, on the season. They're lucky. Well, that- here, here's the thing. Notice, notice how, notice how, right? Like, notice how the next two games after that Atlanta game went. Yeah. Doesn't it kind of seem like the pressure kind of went off the Bucs a little bit there, mm-hmm. right? They started to feel less pressure. And because that Atlanta game, like I said, they had they were down and then they were able to come back and then they played two of the best games they played all season against Green Bay and Jacksonville. So I don't know. I just I don't think that's no coincidence there. No, I don't think it is either. We talk about playoff football, the mentality that this team had, you know, riding high on a win streak. They tack on two more. Baker plays probably the best game of his career, finishes with a perfect passer rating. And 381 passing yards, the first visiting quarterback in NFL history to finish with a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. 34 to 20. They took Green Bay behind the woodshed in that game. And then they did it the following week. I know Jacksonville was beat up, but this was another team that at that time we were looking at who they had left on their schedule and we're like, listen, if you want to be a legitimate playoff team, you have to be competitive against Green Bay and Jacksonville. Well, not only. Were they competitive against those teams? They dog-walked them. So, uh, so obviously, spirits were high headed into this division game here. The final two games of the regular season for Tampa Bay. On my birthday, December 31st, their final home game of the season. They have a chance to win five in a row, clinch the NFC South, and prove all of the S-Talkers wrong. And unfortunately, I had to wait a week. Um, yeah, just a it was, it was, it was like a fart. It was like a fart in church, man. Uh, yeah, it didn't go over pretty well. Uh, I don't know if I've admitted this on the podcast, and and I feel, I feel dirty doing so. But you know, this is a safe place, open line of communication. We try to be as transparent as possible with you guys. I have been a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan for as long as I have been watching the sport of football. I have been to more games than I can remember. 25, 30 plus bucks games, which I know is nothing compared to a lot of the people who have been, you know, trucking for 30 years. But I've been to my fair share of bucks games. And I am one of those people, especially if I pay for the goddamn ticket, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to stay for all four quarters. I'm going to see this thing through. I'm going to stay on the ship until the very end. Well, I can tell you what. Maybe it's because it was my birthday and I wasn't in the best mood. Maybe it's because it was my birthday and I kind of bought these tickets on a whim, but I got one hell of a deal for some awesome tickets 
right on the 45-yard line, right behind the Bucks bench. First game in my life, Evan, I have ever left early. Mm. Halfway through the third quarter when the Bucks were down 20 points and we were running outside sweeps with Rashad White, uh, I, I was done. I had seen enough, and I pulled the game up on YouTube TV on my phone, and I walked back to my truck walk, watching the game on my phone. Finished watching the game while I ate an all-star breakfast down the road from the Waffle House right there on Columbus. So uh, it was a tasty afternoon, but, I mean, the Waffle House was really the highlight of my day. Uh, the Bucks really crapped the bed on that one, and I think that was... <laughs> I think that was a point in the season where, you know, I, I was feeling great about what they had accomplished, the four-game win streak, but that was the game that told me, like, yeah, they're getting there, but they're still not quite there. You know what I'm saying? As far as talking about the ceiling with this Todd Bowles coaching staff, uh, he's expected to be back in 2024, so we talk about how much this team can get better. That game against New Orleans showed me that, like, yeah, there's still a lot this team can do to improve. Yeah, that that game made the Carolina game like look like this. This Carolina game could determine the next freaking five to ten years of this franchise, right? They lose that Carolina game, everybody's fired. Like everybody would be fired. Um, and it was just yeah, it was a big letdown. I mean, just a huge letdown. You had a chance to clinch your division in your home stadium against your rival and sweep your rival for the second straight season, and you just simply don't show up. And uh, I believe four turnovers on the day. Um, just, yeah, simply not good enough. Down 20 to nothing at one point, like you said. Still running the football at 20 to nothing. And like you said, it sort of proved like, yeah, man, we thought you know thought they were there, and they're kind of not. So, it, again, it may, it put all the pressure right back on Tampa Bay, right, to, to play well against Carolina and beat the worst team in the NFL. Like, <laughs> the Panthers were, were had no pressure on them. Well, what do they care? They know their season's over, yeah. right? You had everything to lose in that game. And, honestly, I think the Bucs sort of played like it. And, and then add on. At that point, Baker Mayfield dealing with a rib injury, dealing with an ankle injury. They, they were not 100% healthy. Um, so I just think everything sort of piled on there. But, yeah, that Saints game, that to me was the worst loss of the season. I mentioned how Houston was the, the worst loss in that backtrack that said second worst. To me, that Saints game, not necessarily the, the performance itself and how they lost, right? Um, because obviously that way Houston is worse. But it's what the implications were and just how flat and, and unprepared and unmotivated they looked to play that football game. Yeah, with everything on the line, you know, at least in Houston, they they showed up ready to win that game. They didn't show up ready to play uh, against the. Yeah, Saints it, it was just it was just one side of the football that couldn't stop Houston. You know, it's but you know even like even though the Saints only scored you know uh, however many points, um, they didn't score a ton. But it seemed like again like the defense was just getting bullied out there. You know, it seemed like the the Saints were fighting for every blade, every inch of grass, and the Bucks just were. Ah, they they played like a team that knew that their season wasn't on the line that day, and I think they should have. Yeah, the pressure was certainly on. Week eighteen, season finale for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Literally Ooh. everything on the line. Like I think this is the most consequential game we have ever covered on the show yes. because we were talking well, about the besides, difference. Besides the Super Bowl, yes. It, right. We were talking about the difference between a win and a loss here. Like with the Super Bowl, you knew that if they lost, you were going to see the same team next season. You were going to see the new head, uh, the same head coach. You were going to see the same quarterback and Tom Brady. You were more than likely going to see most of the same well, roster. Let, let's put it this way. Yeah, the, the biggest, the most consequential regular season game we've ever yeah, covered. That's fair. And it's simply because 
of how different the franchise could potentially look if they lose this game. Right, right, like, right now. If that yeah, game is yeah. different. They, It's looking very different right now. Yeah, well, luckily the Buccaneers win a tough one. It is a division battle. Baker Mayfield got his ass kicked out there. Only threw for 137 yards that week, but the Buccaneers yeah. do come out on top. They shut out Carolina and uh, their high-powered offense. Failed, nine to nine. Failed, failed to score. Failed to score a touchdown though, right? And I think that was the worry heading into the playoffs. Baker, Baker looked good during the four games, right? And then he had two straight games he did not look good. And you know, it could have been health. It could have been a number of things. But you know, there was a lot of people that were. You know, thinking, oh, even if the Bucks make the playoffs and they they lose the first round, Todd Bowles could be gone anyway. There was people thinking that because of these past two performances, and I think that's also why people, and that's sort of why I you know, had my skepticism on whether or not the Buccaneers would be able to beat a struggling Eagles team because I saw them go out and fail to score a touchdown against the worst team in the NFL, the Panthers. You know, and and it was. Uh, again, and, and Anton Winfield making an incredible play. The Panthers would have been up seven nothing. What happens in that game if the Panthers are up seven nothing? Like we could, like literally, the Buccaneers right now would have a brand new head coach. And while it wouldn't be official, uh, we would be like, okay, like are they going to be able to trade up for a quarterback? Like that's what we would be talking about right now because it would be completely different. Yeah, I, I know we're in the middle of an offensive coordinator search, but there are so many things that would have been different from the free agents that are potentially coming back to the head coach conversation you had just said. I mean, there would be so much more going on right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that, to be honest with you, we'd probably still be doing three podcasts a week. But we wouldn't We wouldn't be doing a season review. We would be doing a press conference review of the right. brand new head coach, basically. Like, right. right, exactly. You know, having a conversation about Todd Bowles and the season that he had just had after being fired would, would seemingly be a waste of time. But luckily, these next two games here in the postseason are exactly why Todd Bowles will be back as head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2024 uh, most likely scenario. I think it's like a 90% chance he's back. 90, 95. I'll, okay. I'll give yeah, 95. Yeah, I feel yeah, a little yeah, bit I, better. feel a little bit better yeah. about that. So and, 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 and also, and Baker Mayfield. That's not, yes. you know, I, I think they're sort of grouped together almost here. No, you are correct. So thus ends the regular season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South for the third time in a row. The first time in franchise history they have accomplished such a feat. With a nine and eight record, only and they became the only NFC team to make the playoffs in four, you know, four straight seasons. So yes, they did. The last four Congratulations, seasons. a historic accomplishment for the Bucks. But let's talk about these next two games. Yes, two games here in the postseason in the wild card matchup. We knew the Bucks were going to be hosting an NFC East opponent, but we didn't know if it was going to be Dallas or Philly. Luckily, it was the Birds. And just like it was when they played them in 2021, they kicked the dog shit out of Philly. Excuse my language, but I don't know how else to describe it. 32 to nine, the final score of this game. Baker Mayfield throws for 337. You know, this was at the most critical time of the season. I think when the most people were doubting Todd Bowles and this Bucks team, you know, the national consensus is that everyone knew the Bucs were going to win this game because, the, it, let's face it, the Philadelphia Eagles limped into the postseason. They were one reeling, in, yeah. They one were. in five over their last six games. Like, I think a lot of people saw this coming. But as a Bucks fan, as someone who had talked about this team every single week, as soon as they got ahead of steam and they played an opponent that you felt like they could come out on top against, they would crap the bed. Mm -hmm. They would show up not ready to play. Uh, you know, they'd, they'd make self-inflicted mistakes that they could not get over. And I think this just goes to show the credit that Todd Bowles deserves to get here for the second half of the season the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had. Not only were the Bucs ready to play, but they played arguably 
one of their best games all season here in the opening round of the postseason against the defending NFC champions. And and it was a dominant victory, 32 to nine. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, again, there was a lot of skepticism on whether or not they'd be able to do it, even though that the Eagles were struggling. And honestly, like, they got the luck of the draw there because even though Dallas lost in the first round, and like I get it, right? Like they lost in the first round. It could have happened to you know, Tampa, whatever. But I just based on matchups and stuff, I think you had to like the Eagles matchup better than the Cowboys. If you're if you're the Bucks, you know, Bucks fan, we want to see the Bucks advance. Um, you got the right matchup because I'm not positive they beat Dallas. Uh just because of how Dallas would have matched up with them. Uh I'm not I don't think it would have outlet like like last year's wild card but not sure if they win so you know you play who you play and they got philly and they took care of philly and that's exactly it's exactly the type of game that i think baker mayfield needed for for sure baker mayfield needed you know after two lackluster weeks um i think he needed that performance against a good on a big stage against a team that look eco still had a ton of talent like a ton of talent still uh they they just weren't playing good football and that sort of thing that i talked about you know, with guys like Jamel D and Carlton Davis about how, you know, you can be good players having bad seasons. I think the Eagles had a lot of good players. There's a lot of bad seasons. So, um, yeah, I think Baker Mayfield needed that. I also think Todd Bowles with his defensive game plan, stopping the run with those six man fronts, um, making sure Jalen Hurts didn't beat him too much with the, with his legs. Uh, I, it helped. AJ Brown was out for sure, but uh, I think both guys there really, really benefited from that type of performance. And honestly, it would have had to have been pretty bad in Detroit the next week for either guy for like Bowles's job to not be safe or Baker's job to not be guaranteed next year because. It would have had to. It, it, there was a world, but it, it by that point, I think this game right here is what clinched both of their futures. I guess obviously Mayfield can still sign somewhere else, but you know if he does, it's going to be for a lot of money. Whereas if he didn't, you know who knows what happens there. Yeah, Bulls defense really stepped up. They did a great job at stifling Philly's offense, and for the second season in a row, Philly comes out of the postseason firing both of their coordinators. Offensive and defensive coordinator are gone, and uh, who did they end up hiring? Uh, Kellen Moore, obviously, uh, you know, the Buccaneers had interest in. And then for defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. So, I mean, two pretty good ones. So, we'll see if they're able to bounce back. So, the following week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one game away from the NFC Championship. It is another rematch with a team they had already faced this season, which had a lot of people dubbing this playoff run the revenge tour for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Got to meet the Eagles again, a team that had gotten the better of them in week three. And they molly whopped them. Well, they were hoping to do that against, uh, what does Pat call them? The brand new Lions under head coach Dan Campbell this year. And I got to tell you, this Lions team was definitely special. But the biggest question coming into this game is that we knew the Lions at this point were head and shoulders way better than Philly. Like way better. The Bucs took advantage of a team that was in a slump. And they played the same great football they did against Green Bay and Jacksonville. But you took advantage of a bad team. What is that going to look like? when you can try and play your best ball against, I mean, I know they were one game short, but a Super Bowl-ready team. On the road. On the road, yeah. Not only that, on the road in Ford Field, which was one of the toughest places to play here in the postseason. Mm -hmm. It's incredible that we're even saying that because who would have thought that, you know, the Lions (laughs) in Ford Field would be one of the tougher playoff destinations. Yeah, who would have thought we'd be talking about the Lions losing the NFC Championship game? Right. So so there were a couple of questions headed into this matchup. First, how the Bucs were going to look, how prepared they would be, I think was the biggest question 
Uh, but ultimately, what plagued them in their final game of the season, a 31-23 loss on the road to Detroit. Really the same things that plagued them the entire season when we talked about what kept them from getting to that next level. And I would ultimately say it is just self-inflicted mistakes. It is, you know, leaving points out on the field and unfortunately coming up empty, not making the most of every opportunity you're given because when that, happen- when that happens against a bad team like Jacksonville or Green Bay in that point in the season where it's like, yeah, it's not a perfect game offensively. You came up short on a couple of opportunities, but you still won by 25 points. You know, this team's still bad enough to where it's not going to kill you at the end of the day. But we said time and time again, you cannot make these same mistakes against a playoff opponent and expect to win. Well, you know, Detroit was the better team in the divisional round, and unfortunately the Buccaneers uh, could not dig themselves out of the hole. An early interception from Mike Evans, well, from Baker Mayfield, but deflected off of the hands of Mike Evans. Yeah. And then uh, with two minutes left to go, the Bucks had an opportunity to drive down the field and I think tie the game. And yep. unfortunately, we get a quick interception from Baker Mayfield. Now, I, we haven't talked about this either. I do want to put it to bed. I think it's uh, pretty asinine. Is- I, I think I think the conversation is pretty ridiculous. I think it's been blown out of proportion. The Todd Bulls hanging on to a timeout. You know, the Lions ran a play on accident, so they could have called a timeout. And you could have given your offense a chance to go down the field. But my opinion, and I'd love to hear what you think about this and the game as well here. The game, I've said this before on today's show. I'm going to say it again. The game was fundamentally over when Baker Mayfield threw the interception. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to drag Baker Mayfield and say that like, this and that. I'm just saying that this whole argument about the timeout that Todd Bowles kept in his pocket, in my opinion, is 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 pretty stupid, and it's not the reason the Bucks lost this game. No, I, I agree. Um, I'm I'm not going to spend much time on it. Yeah, it's look they <laughs> at the end of the day, like yeah, there would have been second a few seconds, a little bit left, no timeouts, even a touchdown, and a two point conversion. It, it would it it wasn't going to happen. Like it, just, uh, it, it wasn't going to happen. Oh, but, it, you know, there's the crowd saying, oh, but as a head coach, you owe your team a chance to go I out there it. and try and win I, the game. And I totally understand it. But at the end of the day, there are more fans upset about this than any player or staff member or coach that I have seen. You know, I, I really do feel like if that bench felt like they could go out there with the eight seconds they would have had left and try and make something happen, they would have been a little bit more vocal about it. But they weren't. Nobody said anything except for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in that, you know, let's go you know, back to the game. Lions won the turnover battle. Um, it's obviously was going to be a big thing. Bucks couldn't get pressure on Jared Goff. The Lions continue to get pressure on Baker Mayfield. Uh, Mayfield held the ball a little bit sometimes. Sometimes the offensive line broke down. Uh, and, you know, ultimately that was the difference. I mean, I would say the, the two, the turnover battle and and the the sacks, I would say, were the biggest difference in this one. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it just came up short, but you know, you fought hard. You know, in a tough tough environment, tough place to play against a really good team. So, and against a team who, for you know, half of football yesterday, was looking like they were going to meet the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, clearly, I mean, you know, they're they're a really good team, and the Bucks were able to hold their own just. You know, not there yet, and that's that's okay. Like you, they're not, they weren't expected to be there yet. Obviously, you can be bummed that they lost. Like that's fine, whatever. But like, they weren't expected to be there yet. Like you know, um, I think you know, I, 
Even if somebody would have told you that they were going to make the playoffs and win a playoff game, you probably would have been like, eh, I don't know, you know, like maybe, but I'm not sure about that. Right. So they exceeded expectations anyway. So um, I, I don't think there's anything, you know, I think you hold your head high. Obviously a loss is a loss at the end of the day, it ended your season and you're not going to be holding the trophy and that's the ultimate goal. But um you know, at you know, hell, hold your head high and know that you know it's not a morale victory. It's not a moral victory, but it's it's something that I guess you can sort of look towards the off season of saying we're closer than maybe a lot of people thought, maybe even closer than we thought, right? Because I I don't know about the expectations within the building, but like I'm not sure there was a ton of people that expected them to. Because like you didn't know, right? You didn't know how Canals was gonna do. You didn't know how Maker Bayfield was gonna do. You didn't know how a lot of these defensive young guys like Christian Izzy and uh, Logan Hall, Yada Diaby, Kalaja Kansi, Savasi Dennis, KJ Britt, like you didn't know how those guys were gonna do. Uh you didn't know how, how you didn't know how Luke Gedeke was gonna transition and play. Uh you didn't know how Tristan Wirfs was gonna do, right? Go moving over. Was he gonna be the same player? Uh so I I think, you know, yeah, he probably exceeded the expectations of a lot of people in that building. And I think it's it's a nice building block for the offseason. Now, I mean, you know, once next season begins, the 2023-24 season doesn't matter. Um, because it's a brand new season, but you know, for this offseason, I think you can head into it, uh, head into free agency, head into draft, knowing that okay, like we think we're maybe a little bit closer. That doesn't mean they're going to be doing win now moves, you know, trading draft picks for veterans and restructuring all these deals and pushing all this cap, you know, like like they did in the Brady years. I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily, but I do think it will mean like yeah, like we're not really going to be sitting here rebuilding like some people think or. Uh, releasing veterans that can help us, or like, yeah, we're gonna make an effort to keep Levante David, and you're gonna keep an effort to make Mike to keep Mike Evans, and you know, uh, so I do think that's something that again, you can hold your head high on. Yeah, they exceeded the expectations of just about everyone, uh, even the most positive people who were not Baker Mayfield stands were talking about the idea of winning the division, but then getting absolutely clocked in the first round. You know, we had talked time and time again. When going back and forth on Todd Bull's job security, you know, how secure is his job going to be when at the time we felt like the Bucks were inevitably going to win the division and get bounced in the first round? And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It shows improvement off of that team in 2022 with Tom Brady as quarterback. For the Bucks to win games this year, a lot of things had to go right. And a lot of those things did go right. And at the end of the day, I will say this. Todd Bowles deserves credit for a lot of it. Todd Bowles deserves credit, most of the credit, for the turnaround this Buccaneers team had in the second half of the season because there were so many opportunities in 2023 where they could have bowed out. They could have just quit. They could have known that, hey, you know, this isn't the best year. It's going to be hard to rally here and win a lot of games down the stretch when you lose uh, the last six of your seven. But it didn't happen that way. It, it didn't. Uh, there was a lot of development from players this year that I also think was crucial, crucial to the Buccaneers' defense, especially on the defensive, or uh, crucial to the Buccaneers' success, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Sorry, this is the point of the show where my words start getting jumbled together. On the defensive side of the ball, Antoine Winfield Jr., first-team All-Pro. Should have been in the Pro Bowl, but that's okay. His best season, and a season that's going to get him paid a lot of money for hopefully a long time by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kalijah Kansi and Yaya Diaby. 
that development does not happen by accident. And I do think when we talk about the rookie season those guys had as a defensive-minded head coach, Todd Bowles deserves credit. I mean, who who's out there coaching those guys up every week? Yeah. No, I, I here's the tough thing. And and I do Todd Bowles definitely deserves credit for sure. He absolutely deserves credit. However, you know, you say, okay, Todd Bowles deserves, you know, most of the credit. I just don't know if I can get there because during that four game win streak, it was the offense that really powered it. And you're right. You're right. without you're right. that without that four game win streak, Todd Bowles is probably looking for another job right now. We talked about the regression of the defense that time of year. I, I right. mean, part of the reason the Bucs were losing that game, uh, those games, is because they couldn't stop the run. Their secondary was one of the worst in the NFL for like a month straight. You know, there was a lot going wrong, but they also did stiffen up when they needed to there at the end of the season. And I thought they were playing well, playing better complementary football down the stretch than they had all season. Because for the first eight, nine weeks, you know, you're kind of figuring out where it felt like we'd have a week where the offense took one or two steps forward. Dave Canales as a play caller comes out and, and really shows an impressive game. And then the following week, you have like Monday Night Football against Philly where Dave Canales looked like a first-year offensive coordinator. There were more than a few games this season where Dave Canales looked like an offensive coordinator. And we'll talk about the offense in full here in just a second. Uh, but I do agree, and I think you make a valid point. But at the end of the day, like he is a head coach, and I think as a head coach this season, he did a lot of the head coaching stuff uh, fairly well. You know, we can argue here and there about how prepared they were for the Saints game at the end of the season. But aside from that, I, I don't think there were too many miscues that I was incredibly angry about down the stretch from uh, from Old Bowls. Yeah, and I mean, there's a reason he's back next year. Like you know, that there is. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where they they can go from here. And you know, but to me, I think next year, looking at 2024, and again, we don't know what the roster is going to look like, but um, it's still a, it still could look a lot different. Like I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we think he's going to be back, but there's a possibility he's not. Who knows? You don't know what's going to happen with that market. You know, um, when contract negotiations, things can go sideways all the time, but. Uh, you know, I think you want to see progress next year now, though. So now it's up to, you know, it's up to not only Todd Bowles, but it's up to Jason Light on how do you improve this roster? How do you improve that pass rush, right? How do you how do you make sure that this team doesn't regress because, oh, your offensive line isn't as good because you didn't go out and find a left guard, you know, or, oh, you didn't account for this or that, you know, how, how do you improve the roster? And then for Bowles, again, how do you do this again, right? How do you go nine and eight or better? You know, I think would think you'd be expecting better. How do you win the NFC South for a fourth straight year and w make the playoffs for a fifth straight season, which would be a franchise record, five straight seasons in the playoffs? So, how do you do that? I think that's what he's going to need to, you know, to keep his job again for the following season. And you know, now the pressure's on him again because now the expectations look they're going to be raised. Um, the expectations are now going to be raised for everybody in that organization. Uh, and I don't, you know, just making the playoffs might not be good enough in the eyes of some. So uh, ra rather than if it would have been this year, right? This year, just oh, making the playoffs, that's oh, a great year, all right? No matter what happens, the playoff game, whatever. Uh, then to win that playoff game, you know, I think it raised the expectations for next year. So I am curious to see, you know, how they attacked, uh, how they attacked this off season, and uh, how they, you know, fill the pieces, uh, knowing that, knowing a bit more certainty, right? Like I think you're gonna know uh, Baker Mayfield probably is is back. Mike Evans is back. Now it is off to a rocky start, right? Losing your offensive coordinator, not knowing exactly 
exactly what type of offense you're going to run. But, uh, you know, I also think there, there's some positive there, too. Yeah, before we put a letter grade on the 2023 season, let's just recap very quickly the season that the offense had under offensive coordinator Dave Canales, who ended up taking the head coaching job in Carolina. And I will say this. There was a lot of buzz during the season about Dave Canales as a head coach candidate. Seemed like the general consensus is that, like, yeah, he could be a candidate, but this year it would be a shock if a team goes out on a limb for him. Uh, but the connections in, in Carolina, I think, just make too much sense in the situation. You know, with them hiring uh, his buddy as GM, someone he spent a lot of time with in Seattle, uh, it, it felt felt inevitable. You know, when you have a chance to double your salary and work alongside a good buddy of yours, I don't care how bad that situation may be in Carolina, you know, he's a head coach, and there's only 32 of those in the world in the NFL So I I don't blame him for taking the job. But when we look at the season as a whole, you know, uh, realtor Dave Zussman has really been giving Canales hell here in the live chat, talking about his inconsistencies as an offensive coordinator. And I I will agree to an extent, yes, there was a lot of inconsistencies, but I think a lot of the troubles he had this year just simply came from inexperience. And he ate crow. He was the first one to tell you that. But... I mean, if this is, you know, a, a rocky year for a first-year offensive coordinator and Baker Mayfield has his best career season throwing over 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns, there's a lot of give and take here. And, uh, you know, I, I really do think that during his time in Tampa Bay, uh, being hired by his buddy in Carolina definitely helps him in that opportunity. But I, 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 is, it, is it safe to say that, Overall, Dave Canales was uh, was an overwhelming success. Like, did Todd Bowles really knock it out of the park with that hire? Because in my opinion, he did. I I, I was a big fan of Canales, and under the assumption he was going to be back next season, I also don't think it was unfair to expect improvement and uh, maybe expect him to get over some of the mistakes and inexperience factors he had this past season. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think you could put that, you know, you could credit Bowles with that. Um, it was a good hire. It was, it was a risk. I mean, risk. I mean, hiring a guy who was never an offensive coordinator, never an offensive play caller uh, was a risk, especially when if that didn't work out, you were likely looking for work elsewhere. So um, it was definitely a risk, and it, yeah, it paid off. So I, I think that definitely is something that you can credit Bulls with, have a have a notch on Bulls' belt for sure. Let's put a letter grade on the 2023 Tampa Bay Buccaneers season. I've been kind of mulling over it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And... I want to be fair, but I also want to remember what my expectations were at the beginning of the season. So I'm going to give it an A minus. At the end of the day, the Bucs exceeded every expectation I had. You know, I, between the two of us, I have often been looked at as as the more optimistic when when forecasting how the Bucs may or may not do for a particular season. I picked them to go 7-10, and not win Mm -hmm. the division, miss the postseason, and uh, I don't remember if I included in my prediction if Bowles would be back as head coach, but at the end of the day, he is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we did that. I, I don't think so either. I, I thought seven and ten. Honestly, I think a seven and ten record missing the postseason. I think you sort of speak for yourself. Or... Yeah. So I'll just stop right there. Uh, but I think this season was a success. I, I think you know the fact that the Buccaneers not only showed improvement from twenty twenty two, but they have now shown that with a stable atmosphere they can improve like you know the whole Arians thing it happened very quickly because of Tom Brady like mm-hmm. 2019 7 and 9 you missed the postseason 
You have a quarterback that throws for over 5,000 yards, mm-hmm. 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Uh, you know, that was a 7-9 and nine football team that if they didn't have a quarterback who, who turned the ball over 30-plus times, maybe they could have been in contention for the postseason, and you don't know how much better they would have been. Well, 2020, you found out that with a better quarterback, they could be a Super Bowl champion. So the improvement was expected. Like, it wasn't as much of a conversation about how much the Bucs are going to improve in 2020 because they had Tom Brady. The expectations went from winning the division to winning the Super Bowl, and they did it in one season. So, like, you kind of got your payoff very quickly. And after that, it's like, okay, well, how can we improve? Well, you can go back and you can sign all your players and gear up for another run, which they did, and they played fairly well. Lost a competitive game in the divisional round to the L.A. Rams, the eventual Super Bowl champions. It's okay. 2022 is a disaster. Uh, (laughs) But since Todd Bowles has been head coach, from 2022 to 2023, they improved. And here we are, 23, looking into 24, expecting even more improvement. That's a place here uh, in the Bucs fan base that we have not found ourselves in a very, very long time. And it has me excited for the future for the first time in a long time. This is the fun part of team building. And I think if the Bucs knock it out of the park uh, with some good free agent signings, maybe a couple of extra pass rushers, you do some organizing on the offensive line there, maybe a couple more weapons for Baker Mayfield. This is a team that I think we're going to be expecting to win 10-plus games next year. And it feels justified, so I will give them an A-. minus. They exceeded my expectations for sure. Great season. Yeah, I, I'll also give him an A minus. Uh, I was going to say A, but uh, I do think A minus is, is fair. Um, yeah, they exceeded my expectations even more. I picked them to win, you know, six games. I picked them to go six and eleven. So, um, yeah, they, uh, you know, I, I do think again, you know, the expectations are going to be raised. But as far as expectations for this coming season, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and again, a lot of things had to go their way for sure. But uh, a lot of things did go their way. So. Um, while losing Dave Canales hurts, I do think that, uh, yeah, they they did a great job. I thought uh, a lot of their guys stepped up, and that's what you want to see. So um, I am going to say uh, A-minus here. Well, I believe that's just about going to do it for this year's edition of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season review show here on the Cannon Fire Podcast. want to say thank you to everybody hanging out with us in the live chat. Al Bundy, Realtor Dave Zussman, San Anto Gatto, Brutal Ass Bucks, the biggest Baker Mayfield fan that we know here in the YouTube Buccaneers community. We appreciate you guys chiming in. And uh, any final thoughts here before we look ahead to our offseason full of coverage? No, not really. Like I said, just uh, keep an eye on you know what we got here as far as videos go, video content goes. I'm going to be doing the positional reviews, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, you know, we'll see where the OC search takes them, and uh, we'll be covering that. You know, I mean, I would expect them to have an offensive coordinator before the Super Bowl, so I expect another podcast, you know, covering that or something else uh, sometime you know before then. So, yeah, for sure, going to have a lot of offseason content. Follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know it's that time of year where everything starts slowing down a little bit, but uh, what have you got in the hopper for this week? 
Yeah, so we're going to be taking a look at the uh, Buccaneers free agent priorities, which I actually did a video on. Um, I, I did a video on that. So going to be looking at that, the free agent priorities, and then also going to be uh, look taking a look at Jason Light and the offseason that he had because we talked about, you know, how Todd Bowles and everybody nailed it out of the park. But, uh, you know, uh, Jason Light really did a good job too. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, we went this entire season review show. I don't think we said Jason Light's name once, no, no. Uh, which was a crime because at the end of the day, Jason Light deserves a lot of credit uh, for what the Bucks were able to do this season as well, holding strong in his faith of, of his head coach. And obviously the first round, well, the first, second, third round draft picks for Tampa Bay this season, that 2023 draft class uh, was a huge part of success on both mm -hmm. sides of the ball. Cody Malk looking to improve on the offensive line. Kalijah Kansi, Yaya Diaby, giving us a lot to be excited about, as well as the undrafted free agents like that. A lot of that credit goes to Jason Light. Last but not least, though, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter, at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But subscribe to us here on YouTube for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. We have got an offseason full of coverage for you guys on the way and uh, look forward to bringing it to you every step of the way. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We will talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you so much for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 